everyone, and welcome to Magical Streaming, a podcast where we watch Disney Plus and then we talk about it. My name is Amber. My name is Marie. And today we're talking about The Jungle Book 2016. Yes, the live action remake. The live action remake. Of The Jungle Book by Disney. Did you know this is the third live action remake of The Jungle Book by Disney? Really? Uh, I'm getting into some facts a little bit early here. I did not know that. I There is one movie I remember watching as a child based on The Jungle Book, but I don't think it's by Disney, and it's like when Mowgli is an adult, and there's like Carrie Ells as a villain, and someone gets sucked into uh, quicksand, which was my first introduction to how terrifying quicksand uh, really? was shown us to be like when really you can't even sink past your like hips or something anyway yeah uh so we're talking specifically about the 2016 probably the most well-known <laughs> my one bad. Right now. but um why don't you read us the synopsis from disney plus all right the synopsis goes as follow when he's threatened by fearsome tiger Shere Khan, Mowgli, a man cub raised in the jungle by a family of wolves, is forced to abandon the only home he's ever known, embarking on a captivating journey of self-discovery. Not the worst one we've read. You know what? This I was going to say, good. on a scale of Disney Plus synopsis... No, that was pretty, pretty is, like, near the a, top. This they is did, a good synopsis. Yeah, they did good. They did good they with this one. Uh, the usual synopsis writer for Disney Plus was on vacation that week. <laughs> Um, and they hired and somebody who actually knows how to write synopsis. Apparently. <laughs> so, get us started with some... Facts? Yeah. Yeah, so, The Jungle Book 2016 premiered April 15, 2016. Uh, it had a budget of $177 million, uh, which in today's money is $19,203,054.91. And it made $966.6 million. Damn. This was Disney's highest uh, grossing live action remake until Beauty and the Beast, which came out a year later. So, <laughs> Honestly, I mean, not about Beauty and the Beast, but yeah, I agree <laughs> that it should be. Anyway. Really? Listen. I love, I, you know how much I love the Cinderella live-action remake, but it, just the animation work in this one is on another level. Anyway, we'll, we'll get more enough, in that. Fair enough, fair enough. So, on July 9th, 2013, they announced that they were going to be making this movie. As I mentioned, it is their fourth go at the Jungle Book, and their third live action. Um, Not counting, I assume, the sequel to the animated Correct. This is just their fourth go at the Jungle Book. Like the original story. Correct. And their third go at a live action, including 1994's um, The Jungle Book. Well, it also has the author's name, which um, I forgot to write down. The Jungle Book. And then uh, 1998's direct-to-video Mowgli story, which is also The Jungle Book. Both are on here. (laughs) On Disney+, Plus, if you would like to look. Shooting took place 
entirely on sound stages in LA. And the actor actually worked with puppets from Jim Henson's studio so that it was Okay, I'm sorry. The 1994 one? Yes. Yeah, that that is the one I was talking about. He's an adult in that one. Listen. <laughs> yeah, I just that I just that's the one I watched as a child. I get I did not realize it was made by Disney. It was made by Disney. The animals, of course, are all CGI and are uh, 150% larger than their real size. Okay, first of all, this is trivia. Second of all, they are 30% larger. They're, they're 150% they are 30% of their real larger. size. <laughs> we have conflicting sources. Um, I will fight you if I need to. Originally, it was supposed to be released on October 9th, um, 2016, but it got pushed up, which there was no reason given for this. I could not find the reason. It just, it is what it is. But as you could probably, wait, did I say what the box office is in today's money? I didn't, because it's 1,048,682,000. Eighty-three dollars and forty-four cents in today's money. I'm scrambling a bit right now. I know I'm all over the place. I apologize. I apologize. We talked about how much money this made, and then I got distracted because you said that this was better than the live-action Cinderella. Um, I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying it deserves more money. Yeah. <laughs> um, it probably cost. I'm sure. I don't remember the numbers for Cinderella, but I'm sure it costs more to do. So it's like, you know, you're getting your returns. and <laughs> They they got their returns. Yeah. Uh, it currently holds a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it was nominated for 52 awards, won 23 of them, including an Oscar for Best Visual Effects, a BAFTA for Best Visual Effects, and a uh, the Best Fantasy Saturn Award. Like, I'm telling you, the animation and the visuals in this movie are stunning. They are. I agree with you on this. That's pretty much all I have. Um, there's not a lot, because a lot of this is... It's a remake. It's a remake, and on top of that, like, one thing that did happen in the script writing was that they wanted to shift the focus from the original novel, which was kind of more about conquering nature toward preserving Protecting nature. nature, yeah. Which, you know is a better take. Yeah. Um, the original novel is also, it has problems. Well, obviously. It has a lot of problems. That's, we don't have to get into fully. There is supposedly a sequel in the makes. Uh, last any I could find about it was 2018, though. So I don't, obviously, with all Well, the, everything's at a standstill right exactly, now. Exactly, and on top of that, so. It is largely, as we've been hinting, computer animated, uh, so it would take, production takes a lot of time. Pixar worked with uh, Disney on this. Okay. I'm just telling you. Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Pixar also helped with the animations. Uh, It was directed by Jon Favreau, who many people know as 
director of The Lion King live action, but also for his role as Happy in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and many other things. John Favreau has done a lot of stuff. A lot of Disney people know him from this. <laughs> Alright, well, so you want me to move on to trivia now? You can You can start. Oh, I will say there's nothing in the parks about the Jungle Book. Um, well, I, here's the thing. Even if there was, I would say that staying power belongs more to the original animated movie and not this. Fair enough. So, trivia time. Hit hit me with your best shot. Alright. Um, so, all of the locations in the movie are computer-generated visual effects. So, not just the animals, but also, like, all the scenery and everything. It's I said all... all the shooting took place on a soundstage. Well, <laughs> yeah, but there's a difference between a soundstage and... There's a difference between shooting on location and shooting on a soundstage? No, there's a difference between shooting on a soundstage where they can recreate an environment and making that environment computer-generated. That's not the same thing. You're talking about shooting on a soundstage that's basically all green green screens around you Mm -hmm. versus shooting on a soundstage that is, like, where they shoot a bunch of stuff that doesn't take place in the middle of the jungle like they build sets on sound stages that's what the sound stages are for also is to build actual sets are we on the same page i understand how sound stages work but i thought it was pretty obvious that it's like well of course everything's computer generated they they can't have brought in some trees build a temple not a temple. They can't build like a water like hole in the whole like, but they can't build all that. Okay, well they can build some of it. <laughs> anyway, they did um, photograph around 1,000 remote jungle locations in India to use as reference for the jungle environment in the movie in post production. Mm-hmm. Also, the CGI character of Balu is so large and furry that he took almost five hours of rendering per frame. You know how it is. <laughs> you know how it is. Did you know, I might be stepping on stuff, um, actors, actors, <laughs> that they took certain aspects of some of the actors and incorporated them into the characters. Well, yeah, they use motion capture. That's literally where I was going to next. Okay, okay, fine. Do you have examples? No. I have some examples. I mean, I, I don't need an example for Christopher Walken. That That is the clearest. They did do a lot of things to make King Louis look more like Christopher Walken, which I it's it is jarring. I don't uh, like. Yeah, John Favreau was like, I was trying to avoid the Uncanny Valley, and I'm like, well, you almost had it until King Louis because that is Uncanny Valley material, and I don't like it. But other things include uh, Bill Murray's eyebrow raise that is kind of distinctly him that they put into Baloo. But yeah, so it basically it says talking animals in the movie were created using animal behavior and then having the actors and actresses copy those movements in motion capture video effect. 
Now, this movie is the first time that Ka is portrayed as a female mm-hmm. uh, rather than a male. Mm-hmm. John Favreau said the change was a deliberate one because he felt there were too many male characters in the Jungle Book. On one hand, thank you for the representation. That's very nice. On the other hand, the snake, <laughs> that's the character you were like, let's make it female. You couldn't, like, Bagheera has been a female in some Jungle Book adaptations. You could have made Bagheera a female character. And, like, what? He would have had too many strong women role models around him because he also has Raksha? Like, anyway, so... <laughs> like, sure, but... The the execution is a little... The, the bar is low. You, you got over it because the bar is so low. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um... Also, the character of Ka in this movie um, is majorly based on the original 1967 animated version, which shows Ka as a uh, predator who tries to eat Mowgli. Yes. But her hypnotic trance, where she can see into time and learn a person's history, uh, comes from the original novel where Ka was more of a neutral and helpful character rather than like kind of a side villain. An so, antagonist. Yeah, basically. Well, no, not even antagonist. Like, I would say trying to kill someone makes them. If you try and kill the protagonist, you're an antagonist. Oh, you mean in this one? I, I thought you meant in the book. Yeah, in this <laughs> one, yeah, antagonist, villain, whatever. Um. Also, in the original Jungle Book from 1967, uh, King Louis, which was actually created by Walt Disney, mm-hmm. so I guess he does not figure in the original book, uh, was an orangutan, which we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this movie, he is a Gigantopithecus. Gigantopithecus. <laughs> which is an animal that looks like an orangutan, but is actually an ancestor of gorilla- uh, gorillas. Um, and they are... Their range is believed to have been included in parts of India. Uh, the change in species was made to make both the movie more fantastic because it would be a better way to represent him as king of the primates because he's so big. Uh, but also to show that orangutans are not native to India. Fair enough. And this is the first time that King Louis is shown as a... Uh, mean antagonistic character because in the original like there are some like disagreements going on but for the most part he's a friendly character and you can see he's on the same side as Mowgli Baloo and He has a fun song. Yeah he does. Uh, But yeah in this movie he is straight up an antagonist and this is the third occurrence of a Disney live action movie doing this after the Grand Duke in Cinderella and King Stefan in uh, Maleficent. Which, I mean, Maleficent just threw everything up in the air and (laughs) rearranged it as it came down. But anyway. Um, The Jungle Book storybook that is seen in the closing credits is the original book that is seen in the Jungle Book 1967's opening credits. Mm. So, basically, it was brought out at the request of John Favreau to close the movie. Because he felt... Uh, basically, he said, at the end of the movie, we found the book from the original Jungle Book in the Disney archives. And so, 
that book that opens at the beginning of the 1967 Jungle Book still exists there. Uh, he says, I notice never closes at the end of the Jungle Book. So here we take the same book, the same blue velvet background, and we close the book as though to pay homage and to make, to maybe feel like we're completing that chapter. So there's not going to be a fifth Jungle Book? <laughs> you know what? That that was his take. I don't think the Disney company will uh, necessarily abide by that if they feel they can make more money out of this story. But I thought it was a nice sentiment. Uh, also, according to the audio commentary that is found on the Blu-ray, uh, John Favreau said that he wanted this version of the film with Mowgli staying in the jungle with the wolves and Baloo and Bagheera. Um, because basically he did not like the ending of the original where, uh, he gets lured by... A girl? He's yeah. too young! Well, first of all, he's too young. Second of all, this is a child that has grown in the jungle only surrounded by animals. You telling me he sees a girl and automatically gets a crush? No, this child gonna grow up and want to bone wolves. oh my goodness listen don't tell me it's not true this is what he knows as his people just because he's a human girl I didn't know we were on hot takes already (laughs) but Marie's hot take is Mowgli gonna be committing bestiality later in life you heard it here first folks okay no but listen (laughs) I don't think it's a hot take I think it's just a fact I think we're gonna have to come back to this when we do Tarzan um (laughs) (laughs) good point um but no like you can't I, tell he's me he's too that... young to be chasing after girls. I think he might be curious because it would be like, whoa, this is a person. But I don't think he would go live in the village. Yeah, no. And especially because, like, in this version, they kind of see him go close and he sees other humans and he's like, he doesn't really want to interact with them. In the original version, he he hasn't seen any other humans before he sees this girl. And you tell me his first instinct is to be like, I like that. No, like, it, it, that doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. Okay, so I guess we're just trashing the 1967 version here on today's 2016 podcast. I'm just saying it doesn't make sense, and I agree with him. Okay, well, let's say... It was not a good ending. Let's let's, let's all save that for when we watch the 1967. Uh, Take it up with Walt Disney, I guess. Uh, Now, John Favreau is himself a noted Disney enthusiast. Uh, So when he was directing this movie, he expressed a desire in wanting the cinematography and the 3D shots to kind of imbue the abilities of the multi-plane camera system that Mm -hmm. Disney Walt used in earlier animation movies. That we've talked about before. Yes. Um, The idea was extended into this movie's version uh, with the Walt Disney Picture opening production logo. It was recreated as a hand-painted, cell-animated, multi-plane logo um, in homage also to the, well, to basically the animated movies of that era, uh, and also incorporated the word presence, so Walt Disney Pictures, presence, in the same style. Presents? Yes. 
that. <laughs> in the same style as in the opening credits from the 1967 movie. And the logo actually also includes foliage that was taken from Bambi footage. Mmm, interesting. And to kind of tie along with that, with like him being a Disney enthusiast and just trying to keep things, I guess, wanting to pay homage to a lot of the stuff that were done back in the 40s, 30s, etc. for the sound design, both John Favreau and composer John Dabney wanted to recreate the fantasound experience that Mm -hmm. Disney had in mind for Fantasia. We've talked a lot about why that didn't work. (laughs) Yeah. So when mixing the soundtrack in Dolby, uh, Dolby Atmos, I guess, um, they isolated instruments when they could. And in the sound mix, they created a fantasound mix. So if you see the movie in Atmos, you'll feel like there are instruments that move around the theater. And there's a mention for fantasound in the closing credits also. I did not see that, but that is interesting. I did read that. I read that fact as well, and I was like, oh, Fantasound making a comeback, both in the podcast and in real life, here now in the 21st century. Listen, it wasn't a bad idea on Walt's part. It just was not... It was not feasible. It was not feasible. It'll cost way too much money that they didn't have, even if it had been, like, doable at the time. Now you can just do whatever you want. I mean, this movie... It was a sleeper hit. Nobody expected it to come out and smash. <laughs> yeah. It was the third highest... Uh, it was No, it was the third movie in 2016 to reach over $900 million. Nice. The other ones were Zootopia and another one that I cannot remember off the top of my head. Are you talking about Disney specifically? No. Oh, okay. I thought... You, I thought anyway... Because uh, actually, Zootopia talking, is just that good. Yeah, talking of three movies in 2016, this is one of three movies that Idris Elba appeared in with the Disney Company, including so, Zootopia. Yep, Zootopia, this one, and Finding Dory. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then to kind of tie in to finish up that uh, Disney enthusiast part of John Favreau, he managed to have. All three of his children included in this movie by having them voice roles for it. His son, Max, voiced one of the cubs, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the wolf cubs. And his two daughters, Bright and Rose and Madeline, both voiced Grey. Yeah. Which is another wolf cub. If if Grey is not uh, memorable enough for y'all. Now, there were over 2,000 children... That auditioned worldwide for the world for the role of Mowgli, um, and Neil Sethi, who was a newcomer at that time, basically won the role in his first edition back in 2014. That doesn't surprise me. This kid is, is amazing. amazing. I know he made like when we first saw this movie in theaters. It was this kid carried the entire. Film. He is the only human yeah, like, that you can relate to. It would have mattered how good the animation was if this kid had sucked. Right. And he... Amazing. So good. Amazing. And imagine, like, it's your first role and you're acting basically with nothing. You're acting puppets. with puppets. And sometimes John Favreau pops in there, like... Yeah. Well, I mean, they're Jim Henson 
puppets, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's still puppets. Uh, did you know, actually, that one of the occasions where Jon Favreau stood in for uh, the animals was in the scene where Shere Khan is lunging through the tall grasses? Kind of trying to picture Jon Favreau just lunging at him. Anyway... Uh, but yeah, so he was among the last editions, some of the last editions that John Favreau saw, and he began work two weeks after he got the offer. <laughs> but yeah, they were like, yep, kid, we want you, we got you, come here. Um, and then last little fact, which is also about Neil, uh, is that, so his favorite song is Uptown Funk. Or at least it was at the time uh, of... Yes, it was at the time of shooting. Love Uptown Funk. We yeah. entered to our wedding with Uptown Funk. Did we? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the girls entered to shake it off. And then, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and you know, he was... He's a child actor, so he's a kid. And these are long... Well, there's laws, but even though they're long hours for children, even though they're reduced hours... Uh, so when he would get tired on set, they would play the song in the studio, and he would dance around to pump himself up and get back into the right mindset for the scene. That's so sweet. I know. <laughs> all right. That's all I have for trivia. I'm going I'm to dive in, I guess, with the second hot take. <laughs> Again, I don't over- think it's a hot take less controversial, for sure. My hot take is this. This movie is set in India. And the majority of this cast is not Indian. Why? Yeah. Yeah, they they did not make the effort with this one as they did with The Lion King. And even then, like, there are definitely white actors in The Lion King. Yes, there are. Also. Um, but yeah, in this one, it's basically the actor so sir ben kingsley who voices uh bagheera is half indian mm-hmm. and obviously neil seti is indian american uh but yeah you've got pocs you have uh i just i think there's one one Lupita, other person Nyong'o. who is indian well well i mean the all the humans that appear even right. though they're very small roles to the little boy right his dad when they look into his past, and then the humans in the... Well, the humans in the village are pretty far off. You can't really tell. So I'm not actually going to say that they did do the right thing and cast Indian actors for that. Um, but, I mean, any other actor they would have cast uh, would have been then a small role. It would have been background That's voice, true. probably. So. so, I just think they're... India has a well-developed... Yeah, Bollywood is, like, so huge. I do not think it would have been difficult to find actors who are Indian to fill the roles. Yeah. So my hot take is, Disney, you could have done better. Like, um, the cast did a great job. However, yeah, it doesn't take away from any of the casting. And, like, I guess for what they wanted to do with King Louis, they had to go with Christopher Walken because, man, nobody else would have pulled off that creepiness. Well, maybe, but we, we will never know. We will never know. And that's my point that if you're going to set a story 
in a location, the least you can do is cast people from that location. Yeah, especially when you spend so much time dedicated to showcasing the beauty of that place. Right. And then you don't put in the effort to showcase the beauty of the people. Exactly. Yeah, so like, you know, obviously, as you said, it doesn't take away from the cast that they did choose. Uh, I I especially love Lupita Nyong'o as Rasha. She is amazing. However. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, she's amazing in everything she does. Like that, yeah. she's always amazing. She's always amazing. And the thing also is like, um, it's always good for any person of color, Black Indigenous person of color, to get opportunities. Right. So like, I also don't want to take that away from them by being like, but yeah. yeah but it's, it's the same. It's the idea of representation matters. Yeah. So if you, it's a movie set, and yes, even in voice acting, yes, and I know the argument is, of course, Bollywood's a thing. People can just watch Bollywood movies, but like, there are Indian American children who maybe you want to see yourself in a Disney movie, and maybe you want to see, hear voices of people, and know that, you know it's possible for you to do and be anything and to, you know, it's just, I wish they would have cast more Indian actors in the movie. Yeah, although I can't really fault uh, the casting of Scarlett Johansson. Is it? (laughs) (laughs) Other hot take, I guess. Sorry if you're a fan. Um... Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. Um, trying to see if I have other hot takes. My other hot take is none of the songs slap as hard as they do in the original. Well, okay, that's because this is not meant to be... Like, they're not really songs. Like, first of all, Trust in Me is not a song. She just says, Trust in Me. They're, like, it's not a song. Um, also, again, they cast Christopher Walken. What were you expecting? Uh, like, uh, he can sing, but uh, I'm not a fan. Uh, and then, yeah, The Bare Necessities, I mean, it's good. It's kind of a nice, playful moment, but it's not, it was never meant to have the same vibe. They're not, they took out, like... I'm, okay, here's the thing. They took out the Elephant Parade, okay? Here's the thing. I like this version a lot more than I like the 1967 version. However, the soundtrack slaps on the original. And I just think it would have been nice if there could be a slapping soundtrack on this one. Is that the theme of, like, old movies? The movie is so-so, but the soundtrack slaps? Like Pinocchio? I mean... And Snow White? Pinocchio doesn't slap. It is meaningful it is touching um but they don't it doesn't slap but bare necessities uh be like you uh, oh they slap okay you know uh my first exposure to uh the jungle book was actually do you remember the um sing-along vhs that they had in the 90s 
that was basically just like a VHS with five or six songs yes. from various Disney movies. Like there was yes. no rhyme or reason. Yes. And that was all it was. And the one we had was um, Was it in French? Yes, it was in French. <laughs> and there was um a whole new world. Classic. There was the I can't remember the title, but the song that the owl sings in Fox and the Hound. About the two, the two best friends. The best of friends or something like that. Uh, there was the song from the Jungle Book, but again I can't remember the title that the vultures sing. The beetle like vultures. Yes. That's what they chose? All yeah. the slaps? I, uh, I haven't finished. <laughs> Song of the South. What? Yep. This this sounds like a cursed object. This sounds I wonder like, if it still exists in my parents' basement. It uh, sounds like a horcrux, to be honest. And they're all in French, too. Yeah. Like, there were probably a couple more, but I can't remember what else was on there. But yeah, there was so... And that was my first exposure to the Jungle Book, because we didn't have the VHS with the Jungle Book. I can't believe... I don't recall seeing this movie as a child. I recall seeing it as a child, and I didn't like it that much then. Um, uh, We're we're veering off in the 1960s. Yeah, it's not going to that, but the point is, I do, like... I never had that much, like, appreciation for the original Jungle Book. And then when I saw this movie, I was not expecting I also was not expecting it to be good. Yeah, like, we went to see it. Like, the the previews look amazing. You could tell the animation was great. I was like, okay, might as well go and see it. And I don't want to say it changed my life, because that is obviously... (laughs) Way too exaggerated, but like it changed definitely my perspective of this story. I think you're giving it too much credit. No, I. Uh, this is after Cinderella. This is my second favorite live action that the Disney company has done. That's a bold claim. I do not agree. But here's the thing. I think this is this movie is amazingly well done. I think it's beautiful. Uh, I think it suffers from what the Jungle Book has always suffered for, in my opinion, which is a lack of a compelling story. Um, I, I think it's a very good story. And I think, especially because just, of Neil's portrayal of Mowgli, no, it he makes an it, amazing job. He is... So good. He's the only human character, so he's the only one you can try and kind of relate to. But here's the thing: I cannot relate that much. You okay? First of all, you know I hate being outside, and second of all, I don't. You're not a young Indian boy who was lost <laughs> in the jungle and raised by wolves, and therefore you cannot relate. I don't like dogs that much. So oh my goodness. I don't like wolves that much. By association. Okay, if you had been raised by wolves, I think you would like them. Maybe, but the point is... Or you would have been eaten by them, most likely, actually. You never know. Yeah. The point is, I always find it a little bit harder when the characters are all animals to... I, I find it harder. I don't... 
I don't like those movies as much. And there's only Mowgli here. And you like the Aristocats? I I do, but the the characters are not all animals. And second of all, most of them are. The main ones are. And second of all, I hated the Aristocats until I got older. <laughs> so, while I think this is a good movie, live action ranking There's a difference between how well done it was, very well done. In fact, I would say it is it is the best done live action. Honestly, like it, it, is, it baffles me that this came before the li- the live action remake of The Lion King because you would think they would have taken what they learned with this and then improved on it instead of taking 20 steps back. Yeah. So, I would say this is the best executed live action remake for sure but do i like it that much no <laughs> no uh it's stunning uh i i can't say that enough it's a beautiful film it it has amazing strong performances from everybody but just because a movie is good doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? And just because a movie is bad doesn't mean I dislike it. It is No Nuance November. <laughs> and uh, my No Nuance November take is this. Just because a movie is good doesn't mean that it's good. <laughs> Alright, well, I don't think I have other hot takes on this like no I don't think I do do you have other hot takes my other hot take would be I wasn't expecting to see straight up murder when I when I watched. Yeah, this. that was pretty wild. I was like, "Oh, okay, everything's cool. He's just gonna leave." And then he's like, "Yeet!" He yeeted him off a cliff. And I, the first time I saw this, was like, "What just happened? What did I just watch?" This was like, I did not expect yeah. it. Well, and even like uh, in the original, Shere Khan does not die he gets scared and he runs off that's all that happens in this one he straight up falls to his doom to be consumed by fire that's true but i was also talking about uh akila i know i know but i'm just saying like there's also this 200 percent more death in this movie um uh 300 if you count mowgli's father uh, that's true. 300% more, now with 300% more death. Um. Oh, you know what's a hot take, actually? the And you looked at, it's not really a hot take, actually. But uh, you looked at me real weird yesterday when you realized that I was crying. That's after true. After Mowgli rescues the baby elephant. Because at that point in time, there is both in my mind, like... Okay, you know me and music in movies. Yeah. In parts of movies that are emotionally charged, and on top of it, they slap on some music that enhances that. That always gets to me to begin with. And then on top of that, I just get to thinking that if this was a real-life situation, 
where there's not actually a little boy that has his tricks running around. That baby elephant dead. They can't get it out. He's just gonna die. And elephants actually mourn their dead and get very sad when other elephants of the herd die. And it's like, that is terrible. I hate thinking about the reality of the animal kingdom. Uh, the animal kingdom is a sad, scary place. It is so sad. But no. That's like when you're watching, like, watching a uh, lion catch a gazelle during a documentary from the standpoint of lions versus a documentary <laughs> from the standpoint of gazelles. Your reaction's going to be a lot different. So it's you're like, like or the, they're finally, the lions will not starve tonight. You're like, yay! And then it's the gazelle, and you're like, Unfortunately, the gazelle's journey will end here. And you're like, no! Or alternatively, if the gazelle gets away, and it's like, the gazelle has gotten away and will live to see another day. Unfortunately, who knows if the lions are going to find something else to eat. (laughs) Unfortunately, without the food from the gazelle, the babies will not be strong enough. And you're like, no! That's like, oh my, what did we watch I feel like we watched something with polar bears, and that's like, that destroyed me. Anyway, so, okay, let's talk villain ranking. Shere Khan! <sighs> okay, Shere Khan is a jerk. If, if you have to consider from the standpoint he that he's an animal that feels threatened by humans. Correct. But then he straight up killed. Akila, yeah, no, Akeela. that's pretty bad. That's. That's the worst of his villainy. Also, you can see, like, he takes himself way too seriously, and he is just a massive jerk in the animal kingdom. Like, you know, when they all go to Peace Rock, and Bagheera comes to drink, and, okay, little hot take here. (laughs) I get it. I have another. It's Peace Rock. Everybody knows the law, the treaty, that everyone can come to drink without being scared. But did he really have to go and pick the spot that's in the middle of a herd of gazelles? Like, maybe if you had gone a little more to the left, Bagheera, the gazelles wouldn't have questions your intentions. Anyway, point is, even Bagheera can come in between a herd of gazelles, and they're a little ruffled at first, but they still all go on and drink. Shere Khan comes, and everybody's like... Peace. That's true. Because nobody trusts that Shere Khan is going to respect anything but what he wants to do. So, like, I think that he does not respect the laws of the animal kingdom and has put himself way too high for where he belongs. Okay, so what are you ranking him? I'm going to give him an 8. I'm going to give him a 7. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't Um, have anything to add. Um, King Louie creeps me out. I'm going to do a second. I'm going to give him a seven as well because he's so creepy. He creeps me out too much. He's too big. I'm going to agree. Like, his intentions aren't specifically bad. Uh, But maybe. maybe I don't know what he would do with fire. Well, okay, so the implication is that King Louis probably could rule over the entire jungle if he had the fire. With an iron fist? I don't know. Like, is he going to become a dictator over the jungle? Maybe. So, I, mean, I don't like, trust him. I don't like, trust him. All, there's also the idea that probably even King Louis is scared of Shere Khan. Because everybody is. And if he had fire, then he could even make Shere Khan afraid of him. 
Uh, he's too creepy. Yeah, I don't no, trust I, him. Give him a seven, like. I don't trust him. Yeah. No, he get and like, listen, I get it. You're a monkey. Uh, but this he's child, huge. Yeah, but this child grew up in the junk. Like, what does he think? How does he think humans have power over the red flower? Does he think they just snap their fingers and it Maybe. appears? I guess this is what it has to be because he's so convinced that there's no way this child cannot know how to get the red flower. That's true. Um, but yeah, and then Ka. Uh, I'm just I'm gonna, gonna give her four. Her. That's exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say. I like, mean, she did try and eat a child. Yeah, but she's a snake. This yeah, is like, that's fair. She's just trying to live, you yeah, know? Yeah. She's just trying to feed herself. I agree. She gotta have food. I that's, agree. That's just a snake in the jungle. I agree. It just so happened that this time was Mowgli. And, you know, she did give him a little bit of information about his past. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, it was to manipulate him, but sure. Yeah. So, what would you say, then, is your rewatchability? I could easily watch this every week. I could watch this probably twice a year. <laughs> That is so low. What did I say? Didn't you hear my no nuance November? Just because a movie is good doesn't mean that it's good. Um, but that is so low. I just, I have other things I would rather watch. I guess. I have a lot of other things I would rather watch. No, I stand by me. I, I stand by every week. And uh, so what's your total ranking? I'm going to give this, it's stunning, it's beautiful, I'm going to give it a seven. I'm knocking off points because I don't enjoy watching it that much. But it's so well done that I can't rank it lower than that. Uh, But like I said, I just, I don't feel anything when I watch it. And if anybody knows me, they know I feel a lot of things about a lot of things. That is true. <laughs> and yet, she is a Pisces, and everything you see about Pisces and emotions tends to apply to her. I I have a lot of feelings, but this movie, I don't have a lot of feelings. <laughs> this movie does not awaken any of them. Correct. Okay, well, on the flip side, I'm going to give it a nine. <laughs> I truly, truly love this movie. Like, I don't even know why. To be honest, well, I, know I why. don't know why either. <laughs> I don't know. I know why I appreciate it so much. Uh, I I don't even know why I love it so much because, as I said, I could not care less about the original Jungle Book. But I mean, that's I I I also agree with that statement. <laughs> yeah, like when we get to that, it's going to be a much lower rating. But no, I don't know this movie. I think it's just a mix of everything, like with how visually stunning it is, with how amazing a job Neil did like and I do appreciate the story and I appreciate the the hurdles he comes across and he gets over and no I just I think it's good and I like the relationships he builds within like throughout the movie I do feel they added a lot of comedy also in this version in like the shape of Bill Murray and Baloo Blue is always kind of a comedic figure. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. I just like this one better. <laughs> this is better um, Blue. Okay, all right. Okay, well, that's it for this week, I guess. Yes. I uh, have no idea what we're watching next week. We still have not figured out our upcoming schedule. So You know what? We'll have a schedule again in December. Yeah, we will. I'm probably going to make a schedule 
soon for basically the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, we will watch something. We will. And, and we will put it up. Yeah. And you'll Tune find out when week. we do. <laughs> you, you'll find out when it's in your feed and you go, oh. Oh, that's what they title. watched. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so as always, you can reach us across various social, social media, media platforms, which we are not very good at. That's but correct. We're trying to get better. Stream the Magic on Twitter, Magical Streaming Pod on Instagram, Magical Streaming on Facebook, and you can always email us at magicalstreaming at yahoo.com. That is correct. And until next time, enjoy your magical streaming. Bye bye.